Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Okay, so our special guest today is Elizabeth Lawrence, partner at widely recognized Bunny Williams Home. Of course, most of you, our listeners, are probably familiar with our longtime friend and partner, Bunny Williams. She's an iconic designer known for her layered approach to traditional interiors. But today we are talking with Bunny's sole partner, Elizabeth Lawrence, in the firm. Elizabeth joined Bunny's team as an intern and has spent her career working alongside Bunny, both on the business side and the design side. Her work has been featured in Architectural Digest, El Decor, House Beautiful, Veranda, and many more. And so, Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a fan of the show, so this is exciting. Well, you know that we're big fans of yours and Mm -hmm. love working together. Obviously, we love Bunny's collection um, that she, you know, partners with us. But you've been there all along the way. You know, Bunny's name just gets stamped on it, but you're an integral integral part of many of the, um, you know, design choices, and you're always there as part of the business. So, yeah, we are familiar, but <laughs> our our listener may not be. So. Yeah. So, when did yeah. you start at Bunny Williams? I started as an intern in 2003, and uh, I was here for close to two years as an intern while I was in. in- design school, you know, and then I went and worked somewhere else and they called me back and with the position that I wanted. And I came back as a junior designer and then I was a senior designer and now I'm a partner. So, uh, you know, I think it's good to kind of do every job. And I think I've done that. So I think that's so great. Again, you know, the brand and you worked with Bunny for so long, but I'm sure stepping into such a position has been an easy thing for you because you love beautiful because you grew up around beautiful design. Is that correct? Your mother redecorated all the time. Yes, my mother's an artist and was always redecorating the house and painting and faux painting. And uh, when I was looking for an internship, I said, you know, I have to do an internship for the summer. I really want to get some experience. And my mom said, well, why don't you send your resume to Bunny Williams? And I said, Mom, Bunny Williams doesn't have interns. Like, what are you talking about? And but I did. Um, and you know long story short, always listen to your mother uh, because they were the first people to call me and set up an interview. And, you know, here I am so many years later. Having been at, um, you know, Bunny Williams home for so long, I'm curious how you feel like your personal style maybe aligns and then maybe dovetails from bunnies. Like how, (laughs) you know, because I think it'd be hard. Sure. Like, I'm sure she's taught you so much, but then everyone has that inherent kind of instinct as well. You know, when I was younger working here, I remember feeling at times like, I know what this style is and I can do it, but what's my own style? You know, because you just get, so you you do the day to day, but then, you know, your, your thing always comes last, your own home comes last. Um, And so, you know, I remember thinking, 
very clearly that I wasn't really sure what my style was. I knew I loved the style that I worked in. Um, and so then I really started to hone what I felt was my own style. And I think it is very, very influenced by Bunny, obviously. Um, I always say I was raised here. You know, so I love that mix of traditional with modern. I think sometimes I add a little bit more color. I love color. I love pattern. And um, and I like, you know, and I like these modern elements really mixed with that, which is what a, a lot of what we do at the firm anymore. Um, and But it doesn't always get shown and people don't always know. You know, I think we're so known for traditional, but we've really moved, you know, into adding these modern elements. And we've done some projects that are, you know, solely modern. So, uh, you know, that took a while to feel confident in what my own personal style was. Uh, but, you know, and I questioned it, but I think I'm I'm getting there. So I'm sure there's is there a shade of uh, color that Bunny's always like, no, do not do it. And you're like, I want to do it. <laughs> um, no, actually, there's <laughs> Bunny, but there's like one shade of color Bunny really doesn't like. It's kind of a mauve kind of. Uh-huh. Um, oh. And is it wet hot dog? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> so good. That Ew. is like yeah. so uh, that is so I uh, descriptive. Have, I have to admit, I did not. We make can that all up. picture it. We had a mm-hmm. podcast with Miles Red, and he was like, "That's the one color that I just can't get on board with." So you know what? When you say mauve, that's what I think of. <laughs> yeah. So, and I would kind of agree with her on that. Um, I don't think we've ever differed on that too much. I do remember when I was an intern and I was shopping for a project that was already schemed and there was this fabric in the scheme and I had to find some trim for it and some other things. And I kept going, this is the ugliest fabric I have ever seen in my life. Like who would ever think of (laughs) doing this, right? So I, but I was like, it's bunny, you know, she knows what she's doing. So, uh, I a few years after that, when I came back as a junior designer, I was able to go to this project. It was finished. We were doing some punch lists, updated things. And I walked into the room and I said, well, wouldn't you know it? That is the perfect fabric in this room. But seeing that square of it, I was like, this is so not cool. Uh, but then seeing it all together, I was, you know, it really opened my eyes that you have to see the whole thing together. Yeah, I will say mauve, I feel like it's really making a comeback recently. Okay. I'm seeing it everywhere, don't you think? Not at Bunny Williams. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I thought it was all over the show, the Flower Magazine show house. There was so much mauve. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm sure it's out there, but I can also understand your, in your heart the colors you can't stand. Like, oh, we all totally. have. I weirdly still cannot do blue. Like, as much oh, as I try to do blue, really? blue's very hard for me. Yeah, like blue really? colorways. Yeah, because it's. I think it's a normal one for everyone else, but for me, blue, man. Anyway, well, I would. I would say blue is one of the most popular colors for our clients. Right? That's exactly. You're, you're very. Unique. That's how I know I'm broken. No, I'm broken. <laughs> <laughs> She's a green, yellow, pink kind of girl. Yeah, love pink, love green, yeah. whole thing. Okay, well, I did want to talk with you about space planning, laying out rooms, because. Y'all are the masters. I think that if you look at your work, um, I'm always surprised by the way furniture is arranged in the space. You know, you're kind of used to like parallel sofas, sort of creating like a, you know, seating 
like three three sides and a seating like there there are certain um living room layouts especially i think that are sort of go-to and like you expect to see and y'all's totally break the mold um you know there's chairs sort of um you know things are floating a lot more i think and and i always am just like oh i would have never thought to do that but it like totally i can see how that traffic you know pattern would work or something i just felt feel like y'all are always doing something that makes so much sense but is not what the normal person would imagine and so i'm hoping you can really share with us some of your your thought process and help our listeners really shake up their own you know sort of misconceptions about how to lay out a room and do it better all right. Well, you know, the first thing that's really important when we talk to a client is to find out how they use the space. You know, so many people don't really start there. Like, how do you live in the space? What are you doing in here? Are you entertaining? Is this a living room that's more a formal space? Is the family in here? Are your children in here? Is the dog in here? And because that really dictates so much about the layout. And then we do the floor plan. And, you know, if there is a dog, maybe there's like the dog has a special chair and you want that special chair next to the sofa. You know, uh, we did a living room one time for a family with lots of children and the children were allowed in the living room. And this was going to be a place they were going to jump from one sofa to the, to the back of the other one. And we had to make sure it worked out that way. Uh, you know, and we we often find that different seating groups are really cohesive to those ways of living differently in a room. And you want to make sure that you are, you have enough furniture without having too much furniture. You want to make sure there's enough places for everyone to sit, places for people to put their drinks down, put their feet up. You want people to be comfortable. You want people to come into your home and feel that and not feel like anything's too precious and they can't sit there. You want to have chairs, little chairs that you can pull over if, you know, you're having a party and someone's like, oh, wait, let me come talk to you. And you want to ha you want to have some flexibility to it as well. OK, I love your your point about like putting your feet up, little ottomans. And, and another thing I know we've heard from Bunny and um, in a previous podcast is the importance of like a drinks table. Everyone has to have one. You know, every seat needs its own. And, and I feel like it's often those small little accents that sort of like a normal person decorating their own space may not really think about but that that's what makes a designer such an you know important part of having a comfortable room and why y'all know all these tricks because you really have thought through like the function and okay I'm gonna walk in I'm gonna sit down what are the things that I need around me to make sure that I'm comfortable or so that makes a lot of sense what about an unusual space that you know, doesn't have like a natural layout. Are there different types of seating or um, things that one could try if you've got a layout that doesn't really, for some of those more expected layouts? You know, we've had clients where we've come into a space that they maybe have done themselves or has been decorated by someone else, and we'll move the furniture around. I mean, Bunny and I will move the sofa, move the chair, and try different things out and let the client live with it for a little while and see what they think. You know, you can't be afraid to try something new and different. If it's a space that you already have and there's some furniture in there, you know, try it out. You want to make sure you're not blocking any of the flow into the room. You know, you don't want to, it's not fun or elegant, graceful to walk into the back of a sofa. Um, 
you know, so you want to make sure you're kind of keeping that open, but you should try different things. Um, sometimes shaking it up a little bit gives you a new way to use the room and see it in a different light. Okay. I've got a question. So you've got to say, I've got a family room that has, <laughs> it's the, <laughs> I'm pointing to my family room <laughs> that, okay. The main purpose is for everyone to sit and gather and watch TV. But when we have family over, this is the place that we all kind of want to have a casual get together and sit around and talk, but it's not, the flow isn't conducive to having a conversation. Like it's conducive to like plopping down and watching TV or playing a game or something like that. But how do, what pieces should we have or how can we move furniture around kind of quickly and in the moment when we want to switch the use of a room? So I think side chairs and lightweight uh, wood frame armchairs are so great for that because you can pull them over to a conversation piece. You know, they can sit against the wall or they can even sit in the hall, um, you know, next to a piece of furniture. And they're easy to bring in when you know you're having one of those family times where you all want to be sitting and talking. Also little benches, like just a little pair of benches, even in front of your bookcase there, um, you know, that people could perch on and bring in and, you know, to give you that, that, um, function of having some being able to change it up a little bit and have some things that are easy to move. That's great because that kind of quickly adds some informality and kind of gets conversation going anyway. So exactly. That sounds great. Yeah. I definitely am aware that I'm missing that. <laughs> Those chairs too are like really exciting. You know, they're like a great fabric or they have a funny shape or they have a silly pillow in it or something because it, again, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's always seems like that's the chair that gets the, the fun fabric. No, I totally agree. I have a chair problem. And I think that when you find <laughs> a chair with like a really great arm or a great leg and I mean, I'm like, okay, I could just collect all of them. And then yes, you're right. Put them in a fun fabric. You know, they're a conversation piece. And, you know, and some people don't like to sit in a sofa or a big overstuffed chair. You know, it's not as easy to get in and out of it. You know, so to have these kind of wood framed, more upright chairs are, is, is great and gives you a little versatility for other people who maybe aren't going to want to plop into the sofa. Um, but, you know, and it's so fun to shop for chairs. So I think you should have extras kind of hidden around in places for lots of different reasons. Yeah, I'm that person that doesn't want to sit on the sofa. Like mm -hmm. I'll always pick the ottoman because I feel like it, you know, if someone comes in and you want to give them a hug or you want to go refill your drink or you want to get a snack, like, or if you're the hostess, like you want to kind of be perching so that you yeah. can quickly kind of zip around. Yep. You're up and down. So, and yeah. yeah. What about like really large rooms? How do you break up the space? And, and like, I think for many of us, it might feel sort of strange to be like, okay, I, I know that I need to split the space up, but like if I'm having two seating areas, why would I use one versus wouldn't I sort of just like always go to one and then what's happening on this other one? Or like, how do you sort of create two meaningful spaces within a large room that both serve a purpose and the purpose isn't overlapping? Okay, got it. So, you know, it's, it's interesting in a large room because you do have to have more than one seating space to kind of fill out the room. But, 
you know, one could be a little bit more intimate. One could, you know, seat about four people. And then on the other side of the room, you could maybe get six to eight people. So, you know, if it's just you and a a girlfriend comes over and you're sitting and you're chatting, you can sit in the more intimate part. Uh, The other thing I love to do in a large room is often at a game table with four chairs around it because it's so great for, you know, maybe just having coffee with a friend, having a dinner with another couple, uh, you know, doing a puzzle, doing a game. And there again, four lightweight chairs that can come into the seating areas and fill in there when you need more seating. So, you know, I think it's about thinking creatively about having some intimate spaces and having some spaces for those larger groups uh, without making the room feel unbalanced, you know, and, and doing that again with, you know, small benches and chairs and things. Is there ever a concern that if you're breaking it into two sections or more, I guess, that you're going to have too many small things and it's going to feel cluttery? So, I mean, I think that's a legitimate concern, but I think the one thing that you can always, that can go wrong in any design, in any room, is the scale of furniture. You know, you want to make sure not everything's small. You don't want to walk into a room and you're like, every there's a small chair, there's a small coffee table. You want to make sure it's balanced. You want to make sure that the coffee table is in good proportion to the sofa and that it, you know, the person sitting in the chair can reach the coffee table. So scale is the one thing that I think you can get wrong. Um, I think design is so personal, you know, such as, you know, you don't like blue or you don't like pink and, you know, and that's fine and that's okay, but scale can be wrong and scale can make a room feel off balance. So you really want to make sure, you know, you're measuring everything out. Uh, You know, if you don't have a designer and you don't have floor plans, you know, take blue painter's tape and block things out on the floor and see what you think your sofa size should be, you know, look at a chair you like online or go sit in it, see it, and then block it out and say, okay, how does this look next to the sofa that I like? And start to block out what your pieces are. And that will help you from getting too many small pieces. Um, You know, I love small pieces. As I said, I love like a small chair or small slipper chair or a bench. Um, But those should kind of be sprinkled with other things of different scale. Okay. So maybe that's like those small pieces are like what, let's say 30%, 40? Is yeah, that, I, mean, I would say 30%. They're like the jewelry. Okay. They're like that funky little bench. They're that fun chair. They're that, you know, that you're you're pulling in. They're the, they're the little drinks tables that are so important. Um, you know, but you want to make sure you have a drinks table next to a chair, but at the end of your sofa, you maybe have a more substantial table with a more substantial lamp, and then it balances out. Okay. That, I feel like that... It works for me. It's like a formula and I'm like, okay, I can break the room into like, you know, 50, 30, 10, and then sort of, you know, it helps yeah. you kind of give a guideline. Because I, I do think scale is like something that a designer who's done this for a long time can look and see if it's right. Whereas someone who is working on it for themselves and is just learning and, you know, educating themselves, it's, it, there's not like that gut check that you would have and exactly. you could just see it and know. Yeah, exactly. You have to work at it. Yeah. And that's why you have to really like look at the dimensions of things. If you can't go see something in person or sit in it in person, really look at the dimensions, you know, lay it out in your floor plan, lay it. If you already have your sofa, you know, lay out the coffee table, just check that stuff because that's where mistakes happen. You know, often you'll look at a picture of something online and it comes and it's just totally not the scale that you thought it would be. Uh, Often here at the office, you know, because it's, 
so hard now. There aren't as many dealers in New York as there used to be. Uh, we will see a chair online and we will say, well, that's a pretty chair. But we will ask the vendor to take a picture of someone sitting in the chair for scale, uh, which is huge. And so now we have this wonderful collection of all of these lovely people across the world and countries sitting in chairs. Uh, we have to get some <laughs> funny comments like, please don't look at what I'm wearing or someone's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a model part time, you know, these kind of things. But it's so important because it really you go, OK, that person's about five, seven. That's what they look th- and sometimes like the chair is a child size chair. So, you know, it's really important to double check your dimensions. And if you can go and see things in person, see them, see the scale of them, it helps train your eye and it will only help like make each piece that you buy better and fit together. Okay. Shameless plug. I know we've talked about this many times, but we do have something called our room planner. And it's a, you know, sort of modeling software. You can put in the dimensions of your sofa. You can put in the dimensions of the coffee table you're thinking about. And you can, I think that too, just even seeing like the aerial layout, you know, like a designer would do in AutoCAD is so helpful. And there's so many times where I've done it and it's just little boxes really, you know, and it is so informative because you're like, oh yeah, that coffee table is like way too small when I put it next to this substantial section or you know, whatever. So go to our room planner and trust it out. I mean, that's great. And it's so great because I think there are more and more of those tools becoming available. So it's awesome. Totally. There are lots of them out there. It's lots. Yeah. Great. Okay. I have a question about scale and pattern. So say you know that you're going to have like a big sectional sofa or a big sofa, and that's going to take the bulk of your room and that's a good scale. Do you want to go big on pattern as well? Or is it better to go smaller in a pattern or a solid on something that you're, you know, is going to be a substantial scale in the room? So I love pattern. And I, I love when you see a pattern sofa and you see it work. But if you, you know, it's your everyday home, I'm really all about putting it more in a neutral and making your pillows the pattern. Because I don't know if anyone else is like me. You can get tired of things and you say you want to change things up. It's so much easier to change up the pillows, the you know found throw on the back of the sofa sectional than it is to just reupholster your sofa again. So I always think it's it's a nice background to have it in a neutral or have it in a, a neutral that has a tone-on-tone pattern and then add a lot of the pattern on the pillows and the throws and you know the chair next to it, the smaller pieces. Um, that's usually where I start. Do okay. you really start? Do you wait? Do you start with the fabrics themselves? I mean, where is your like really jumping off point for a room outside of what we talked about with the function? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely start with the floor plan. And then from there, it's usually the rug because the rug dictates the whole vibe. And if you're looking at antique rugs, you know, they are one of a kind and there are uh, certain colors in them. But you you start with the rug, you start with the floor, and then from there you start to pull fabrics that go with the rug. Um, there's so many great places to buy rugs anymore. Um, there's so many great online places to buy rugs that, and they will send you a sample sometimes, which is great because you want to make sure you're getting the color right. But starting with the rug is where I always start. I also really love rugs. I mean, I know I said I love chairs, but I also really love rugs. And, um, you know, <laughs> there's like, there's a nuance to some of their colors and you can say, oh, there's a little bit of blue in this. Sorry, we're going to pull out some blue, but there, you know, but maybe the most of the rug is beige or, 
green and we're going to play up the blue. So that's what, that's really where I start with color and pattern. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot to pick up on from a rug. And I also feel like that's something that the average person does wrong. They try to find a rug after they've picked a fabric and it's really hard. <laughs> like, I don't, I just feel like that's a much more unusual approach where someone's like, oh, start with a rug. It just, it seems backwards to me, even though with you explaining it, it makes total sense. But, you know, like if I hadn't been doing this podcast for many years, I would think that, that was odd. I mean, you know, it also depends on what kind of rug you like. You know, some people want a much plainer rug, you know, without a lot of pattern, more of a woven, and they know they want it to be, you know, a certain color. Okay, fine. They maybe they haven't found it yet. They start with the fabrics. But, you know, if it's a rug with multiple colors and a pattern, that's really, I think you've got to start with the rug if that's what you're looking for. Um you know, and then I start with the rug and then start to pull fabrics and start to pull wall colors or wallpapers. And then you start to play around with it. And that's where the fun really begins because you say, okay, this is where we're going. And what are we going to do to, you know, get it to where we really want to be? What do you see as, as common missteps? So definitely the scale, definitely the scale of things, um, as I said before, and I think, and the layout. um, And I think, you know, also, sometimes people try to put too much pattern in a room that don't, they don't always work together. And so, you know, it's the old adage of the Coco Chanel said, you know, take one piece of jewelry off before you leave, you know, just sometimes you have to edit and you have to be okay with editing. You know, I often, when I'm scheming something, I mean, I will, I love, I love all of this. And the scheming part is like my favorite part. And so I will do a lot of schemes for one room and then I will leave it and I will come back the next day and I go, okay, yeah, this one's not as good. That one's not as good. This one's good, but these things in it are not good. And I, and I start to edit, but I sleep on it because I'm like, at one point I may think, you know, I'm, I'm all in on that one scheme, but when I come back the next day, I look at it with fresh eyes. So I think you have to be prepared to edit for sure and give up on something that you thought maybe you had to have because it just in the at the end of the day does not work. Okay, what about um, TVs? Because that's kind of an element of arranging a room now. It's so important. But I feel like there are still a lot of sort of um, like there's a lot of taboo, I guess, maybe around like putting your TV over the fireplace or like having your TV visible you know, we still sort of live in that world of like the 90s where it's like, I want to hide my television. So um, I really think we're getting away from that because TVs are so good looking nowadays. They're thin and sleek. And, you know, now they you can put your art on them. I mean, it's it's kind of incredible. We, you know, we're often trying to tell our clients try not to hide it because when you do hide it, sometimes it gets a bit bulky. You know, if you do a pop-up TV, you need, it's a bulkier piece of furniture. If you want to put it in a cabinet, it's kind of a bulkier piece of furniture that you may not necessarily have had if you didn't have a TV. So, you know, they're so thin and they just fit so nicely on the wall. They, you know, and they can be on an arm and swing and they're so versatile that, and they're such a big part of all of our homes, right? Like we're all, you know, Netflix and everything every night. So I think showing the TV is not a mistake. And I think you just embrace it. What about the TV over the fireplace? Is this something you would do? Don't Ooh. always love the TV over the <laughs> fireplace. 
but do not say no to it either. Sometimes there's no other place. You know, sometimes it's not the best height for viewing a TV, having it over the fireplace, but if you have it on an arm and you can tilt it, um, you know, and if you have one of those with the art on it, it's, you know, it's okay. All right, just curious. I feel like you are going to be the perfect, like, you know, tiebreaker. It's like, okay, if Elizabeth Lawrence says that it's okay for my TV to show, then I'm going to I'm going to trust you on that one. I, I, I totally <laughs> believe in it. <laughs> Woo, good. Well, I also feel like maybe, is there maybe a difference too if it's like, okay, what if it's like a more casual family room versus like a more formal, not formal, but like a, you know, a secondary living room that's maybe the place where you're more likely to entertain. It's like you could kind of approach it differently because one is really meant for watching television. It's like, if that's what the room is about, then what's the point of hiding it? No, it's very true. Um, It's, you know, I completely agree that if it's the family room and that's where everyone's gathering to watch the Super Bowl or, you know, why hide it? You know, if if your kids are in there watching, you know, cartoons on a Sunday, I mean, that's that's what that room is for. So I think, yeah, I mean, you know, we're so used to seeing TVs and technology. Well, I think, like you said, just it's so integral in all of our lives now between work and entertainment that it's hard. It is like you said, just what's the most beautiful uh, way we can do it? Because we all have them, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you put, you know, you put it over the fireplace, but that doesn't mean you don't put things on your mantle, you know, and, and make it pretty. And also, I think it's so when you hang a TV on the wall, hang art around it. Don't be afraid to like make it part of your wall. You know, I think some people say this is the TV wall and there's nothing else. Hang something above it, hangs things on the side, Um, you know, make it part of the collection in a way, because then it kind of goes away and blends in when there's things hanging around it. Totally. And it's like, okay, well, if the TV's off and you're worried about being a black box, at least you've got something else good looking on the wall to like Exactly. Look at, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and that's Give me something why, else attractive. Well, and that's why also it looks really good in a in a bookshelf, right? Like you when you see a TV in a bookshelf and all the books around it and the objects, it's like you're you don't necessarily go, "Oh, you know, there's the TV." Like there's other things going on. Sure. What about um are there any like sort of is there like a a Bunny Williams home checklist that y'all kind of have in mind when you're when you are creating a room of things every room needs. You, you mentioned sort of occasional chairs. We mentioned drink tables. Is there anything else that you think of as like really hallmarks of something everything everybody needs in their home collection? Yeah, I mean, throws I think are very important. You know, we always like want to make sure there's a throw on the back of the sofa, on the arm of the chair. You know, someone gets cold, someone's reading. You want people to feel that level of comfort. Uh, You know, the other thing we often ask a client is where do you charge your cell phone? You know, I mean, how many times are we sitting watching TV and your phone goes dead and you're waiting for an email, you know, having the, you know, something to charge nearby and um, the comfort of that, I think is huge. Um, I know my husband and I were on the sofa. I'm like, who has the charger? We're just, you know, we're both trying to fight over, you know, how we're going to charge our phones. And so that has become such a thing that, you know, I think years ago, Bunny wasn't asking about, but now we, 
you know, where, where do you charge your phone at night? Where do you put your phone? You know, do we need a place to charge it in your closet? Do you want it by your bedside table? You know, and everybody has different philosophies about these things. So it's about comfort. You know, it's about having those, you know, those soft comforts like the throws, but also thinking about the technology and how that's being used. Okay. I feel like every room that you do has like a great, fabulous pair of lamps. Like a pair, you know, Uh it's like every room has that pair that's sort of like a creating symmetry. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's something so lovely about symmetry. And uh, when you find a really good pair of lamps, I mean, it's a jackpot. I feel like it's harder and harder to find great lamps. Um, you know, when they're a great color and they add to the room or they're a really interesting shape or uh, style. And, you know, we also are really constantly thinking about how we light a room. You know, you want to make sure you're lighting rooms on different levels. You want to have light from the ceiling. You want to have light from the tables. You know, you want to make sure, you know, then there's sconce light at a different height. So, that a room is well lit and you don't feel like you're sitting under the light, that there's only light coming from above. And that's the great thing about lamps. Lamps add that soft light, um, that reading light. And I mean, there's such an opportunity for a great design moment as well, as you said, like a great pair of lamps um, and having the symmetry of that, you know, walking in and seeing a beautiful sofa with two great end tables and the end tables are different. They're not the same, but the lamps are a pair. Um, you know, and then that's a little more interesting because you go, oh, that's a really interesting end table and there's a pair of lamps. So you're mixing things up, but you're keeping some symmetry and um, some continuity. Anything else that you think everyone should just have on their like need list in terms of, I mean, it could be like broad, you know, like mm-hmm. you mentioned an ottoman. Yeah, I mean, definitely an ottoman. Definitely, oh, love to add like a little um, caddy for books and magazines next to a chair. You know, I know we're all on our phones, but, you you know, if someone's waiting for you or if you have a guest there or even you yourself to pick that up and pull it out, just have it right next to the chair. There's so many great ones. There's some great vintage ones you can find online. Um, you know, we uh, are always, whenever we finish a house, we're stocking it with magazines. Uh, there are less and less magazines, but we're stocking it with magazines. And, you know, you want and books, you want to make sure a bedroom has reading material for if there's a guest, um, you know, staying for the weekend, maybe they pick up a novel and, you know, we try to stock it with the classics uh, and and our favorites as well. Um, so it's those creature comforts. It's those, you know, it's those little touches. It's the, you know, it's the place to put your toothbrush in the bathroom. It's the hook for your robe. It's, you know, it's thinking of every detail. And, you know, we really pride ourselves on that and saying, you know, that someone just has to come and bring their toothbrush and everything's there. You know, it's a luggage rack for the suitcase for your guest. Uh, You know, I don't know if we want all our guests to stay so long, but it's about making it a comfortable and lovely experience. It's a carafe of water next to the bed, you know, and those are all things that we, we really think about and we have a checklist of. Um, and we want to make sure every room has a wastebasket and a tissue cover. And I mean, my goodness, we, you know, we go through so many wastebaskets and tissue cover options when doing a project. Uh, 
And so, you know, it's just making sure that everything's finalized, you know, because it's in the details. It really is. You know, it's whether it's the details of the trim on the curtain or the tissue box next to the bed, it all it all matters. It's all important. Yeah, I feel like you all do details like nobody's business. And even when it comes to the like cash po, like we know Bunny Williams home loves a good cash po. <laughs> Like, I I think that that's just so fantastic, and you have such a wonderful collection. Yeah, no, I we definitely love a good cash po. I know we've spent years looking for them for projects. Now we can buy them from Ballard, and have you all have a great collection. Um, and we and we do, but I think they're all yours. Well, I, I was going to say designed by y'all. <laughs> they're all bunnies. But you know, we we buy a lot of it for our clients. Um, you know, and our projects because we want to. You know put a cash po on the coffee table with a plant in it, you know, next to the coffee table books and add that extra element. Or, you know, we do fresh flowers when a project's finished and we, and really show a client, like, use your home, do these things. You can do them yourself. It's not hard. You know, you can go to your local grocery store, pick up the flowers, throw them in this, you know, but give them the tools to do that so that they feel like, you know, the house they've been given, they can keep going with. Um, and yeah, cash pose, love them and trying to find some that sometimes <laughs> fit on a mantle and are the right depth. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I had never heard of a cash po until, um, we worked with your team and bunny was just so adamant on them. And I was like, excuse me, how do I spell that? Is it- <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe we should explain what it is. I feel like you kind of get the, you know, so a cash po is a, um, is a, a vessel for a plant um, or flowers or an orchid, you know, you could put an orchid, you could put a fern in it. Often you would see them in pairs. Uh, They used to be made a lot out of toll and hand painted and have a design on them and be in some color, Um, but you can find them in all kinds of materials. Um, I particularly love the ones uh, with Ballard that are the silver and brass. Uh, They're really great. I have some of those in my own home um, and they really last a long time. And the other great thing about them is like, you don't just have to use them for flowers or plants. I mean, I know people who've put them on their desk and put all their pens and materials in it. They're really pretty and decorative and can be used for so many things. Um, I know someone who put candy in them for a party and used them like that. And Bunny put her Ben and Jerry's or whatever. Her oh, like, yes. There's the one that her, she loves to use with her yes. Haagen-Dazs. Haagen-Dazs. Yes. Vanilla. Excuse me. Yes. Oh, ooh, wrong brand. I apologize. <laughs> I like both. So I, I very I much do too. apologize. Different purposes. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. No, she loves to put the Haagen-Dazs vanilla in that. Um, and she says it's great for serving at a party. Because, again, it's the details, right? It's not about putting the Haagen-Dazs container out on the table after you've had this beautiful dinner where she set this beautiful table it has to be in something beautiful and you know it's those details um and it's those details that make your guests and people you know sit back and notice and fyi it's spelled c-a-c-h-e-p-o-t yes, yes i have <laughs> i feel like if that's a word you're trying to like phonetically google you'll be like oh no i again i had to ask her her team was like who is this southern bumpkin you have brought up here he's like <laughs> A cachet pot? What? <laughs> nope. I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. Like so many people call it a cachet pot. Um, yeah. It's. It's okay. You're, that you're is in good exactly company. what it looks like. You that looks like how you yes. say it. Exactly. 
But I do love that but it like is different than a, a, such a versatile piece, uh, uh, you know, the functionality of one. And um, is there a certain size you guys go for? I guess it's going to be my, that makes it. You know, I, they shouldn't get too big. You know, it's not a pot. Like it's not like a terracotta pot for a plant, you know, they're right. a little bit smaller than your average, I guess, pot for a plant, but it's, you know, cause it's more, it's more for a smaller plant or like a small orchid or a, I mean, they're not, I would say they're medium size. I don't know the exact dimension that I'm thinking, but they're medium size. And, you know, I just, you don't, you want to be able to put them on the table. You want to be able to put more than one on the table. You want to put one on the coffee table with some books and, you know, a plate and some other things, but then you also want to be able to use a pair maybe on your dining table or use a pair on your mantle. Yeah. And I just, you know, if you can find them, they're great. So, okay. Yeah. So the idea is not that you are repotting your orchid into this container. The idea is you're literally just dropping the pre, like the container it comes yes. potted in from the grocery store. You're just literally dropping yes. it into a beautiful thing so that you're not looking at like the black, the yes. plastic. It's pot. so yeah. easy. I do not have a green thumb and I can do this. This is what it's also, you know, if you're, you know, if you're intimidated by these things, you want it to be easy. You want it to, you want to be like, okay, I can try this. I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I'm going to get a different kind of plant this time. I killed that one. We're going to, you know, and it, it's easy. You just drop it in. And it's what we love, why we love to provide them for our clients, because often our clients are saying, oh, well, I don't know. That's intimidating to me, you know, to, to set a table like that. That's intimidating to me to, you know, keep a plant alive. And we're like, just go to your grocery store, get it, plop it in water it every once yeah. in a while like it lasts for you know six weeks like yeah. that's way better than fresh flowers you would buy exactly so don't feel guilty yeah okay one thing y'all did at the flower magazine show house that i thought was so brilliant and i have been meaning to copy myself um you know obviously you had cash posts that live plants were dropped into you also had taken faux plants like the little faux olive trees. I think Bunny did like a myrtle tree, a faux myrtle tree plant. So these are faux plants and they come in, an, in a perfectly attractive container, but you took them out of like this sort of terracotta or whatever the container was and put them into an even prettier handmade container. Like one of them was sort of put into this like ceramic, you know, hand thrown ceramic pot one of them was in that golden or the silver and brass one you were talking about and so you took this faux plant you put it in even like a really special container and then you put moss on top and I swear to god I could not tell that it was fake I was like <laughs> up in the leaves like touching it trying to figure out like is this real because the moss is real it you know yeah and the, no I it mean just it looks so good yeah, well, those fake plants have gotten so much better over the years. And all you need is just a little bit of makeup. You know, you, you put it in a pretty container and you add that moss. And I mean, everyone is fooled. We do it all the time for clients who say they, you know, you know, they're not going to be at their house a lot to water or whatever. They travel a lot. And I mean, we do it with orchids. There's some really beautiful faux orchids out there. And, you know, and you moss up around the, you know, by it and you moss down at the bottom. And it just... I mean, it's amazing. You, I can't tell half the time. I'm like, wait, do we, is that the real one we bought or is that the fake one? And sometimes, you know, mixing them in together is great. But if you don't have a green thumb, this does not have to be intimidating. You know, you can have these beautiful looking plants and have some greenery and 
you know, and then it's fun to totally. find the containers as well. It's fun to find those like handmade, you know, containers and you can find them, you know, on your travels and yeah. And I, I often feel like there are certain spaces in my home where I'm like, I think a plant would look great here, but it doesn't really have like the light conditions or it's sort of a random place in the house where you're like, I, nothing will actually live. Right. You know? So I need it to be faux because like it just doesn't get enough light or whatever. No, so. it's so true. And sometimes like it's really great because like you said, like those olive trees, those add some height to a room, you know, on a on a piece of furniture. Um, and that's a great thing to play around with and scale wise. So yeah, fun. And there were a few places where y'all had used some of those wall brackets. Um, mm -hmm. I know Bunny has a really pretty sort of like plaster looking one that's white and, you know, place it up high, like on, you know, flanking a big art piece and then putting some little plants on the bracket and it adds such a pretty and unexpected kind of three-dimensional element to your wall arrangement that I just love how that looks always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think people can also get really intimidated by art and how to hang art. Um, and so I think it's about training your eye and looking at how other people have done it. And it, you're so right, like mixing in brackets with things on them, plants, you know, it doesn't have to be a bracket with some like great sculpture, you know, it, it can, you can mix in, you could put a plate on it, you could, you know, there's so many ways to do it. And also, it doesn't have to just be, you know, when you're hanging art, it just doesn't have to be art, you know, it can be three dimensional things, and it should be, because that's what makes it more interesting. I just love that about y'all's work. I love looking at it at, with a fine tooth comb because it's often those, you know, it's not like I'm, I might notice a wild, fun pattern on a sofa, but it's usually like the teeny little things that I have to really look for that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. So I've always really appreciated that about. Well, the, thank you. Yeah. I mean, we, we work hard at, you know, making sure those details are there. So it's nice when people notice them. Well, you've always had such beautiful work where you never know exactly how old the room is. Like, was that done? And I mean that in the most beautiful way. Was that done? I don't know. I want to go there. I want to sit. I want to be in that space. Um, never feeling too stuffy. Like you, you wouldn't be invited in or, oh, I might ruin something. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, you're definitely someone I've been inspired by for years to Caroline's point to dig deep on like looking at your work to be like, so what is it that makes this room just feel so layered and comfortable? Um, Cause we all want that. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I think one of, you know, there's so many bunny isms that I have, but the one thing she always says is that she doesn't want someone to be able to walk into a room and know exactly when it was done. Right. Like she doesn't want someone to walk in the room and be like, oh, this is so 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, whatever. And, um, you know, and it's something that I think we work really hard on. You know, you don't want it to be dated. You know, people are coming to you for this service and they want it to last. You know, they're buying antiques and they're using things uh, that have been passed down through their family. And you want it to have a timeless quality. And you definitely want it to have this approachable quality where you feel like you could walk in, kick your shoes off, curl up with a book, bring your dog. Um, you know, those things are all so important to us. You know, we don't want it to look unapproachable. Okay. But that being said, there's always something new that you need to kind of infuse into a room to make it feel of today. So what is something that you're 
loving right now? Something new that you're loving? Um, well, I think I love a lot of these modern coffee tables you're seeing. Like there's just some really great things happening with different materials, uh, you know, resins and colors and um, shapes and um, different bases with, you know, like a, a metal base with a resin top and, you know, in a bright orange or, you know, burnt orange or, and I, I love adding things like that because I think it's modern. Um, you know, when I find a good coffee table, that's different that I haven't seen before. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is like the jewelry in the room. Like we're going to add this. Um, it's going to make it feel, you know, new and it's going and fresh. And I think people are going to really go, oh, wow, what's that? Um, you know, and it's unexpected. So you want those unexpected things. And sometimes it's not the coffee table. You know, sometimes it's a little side table. Sometimes it's a modern funky chair. Uh, but I think you're so right. It's about making sure that the room isn't outdated and you've added those sparks of it. But sometimes those are the harder things to find. So you have to be committed to be on the hunt. The commitment to the find, which yes. I love. Yes. <laughs> That seems very indicative of your work. Like sometimes it's a kind of a traditional shape, but in an unusual um, material. Um, like there's that great uh, big round side table that has sort of like, is it an octagonal base? Mm -hmm. Hexagonal base. I only, only ever see it from one side, so it, I'm not yes. actually sure. But um, And it's sort of like gold and there's a silver and then I, the top is marble, I think. Yes. So it's sort of like an unusual combination of materials, but it has this very classic shape to it. And so I always think of that. Yeah, that's so nice to hear you say that because that's a great piece for us. It's the octagonal table and it is, it's, it's just, I mean... It's well, it's the hourglass table. It is octagonal. And it's just so great because it does come in gold. It comes in silver. But you're right. It has a classic shape, but there's this like modern twist to it and people really respond to it. It's a, you know, it sells really well. And I think it fits in so many different kinds of rooms. I've used it in a lot of different rooms. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do, you know, is to show people like you can mix these classic pieces with these newer pieces. And it's what makes it interesting. Benny designed some furniture pieces for our collection. I think most of them we don't care anymore. But there was always something very, like, a twist to it, an unusual leg, a funky arm, you know, a scallop, or something that really made it extra special. And, yes, like, it was traditional, but there was, like, a quirkiness to it that I yeah. always love about her pieces. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we're shopping in antique shops, uh, you know, in, in the country or, you know, over in Europe, it's not always, I mean, you're, you're often shopping for a couple specific projects, but you're also just saying, I love that piece. Wow. That's beautiful. I don't exactly know where it is going to go yet, but we're taking a picture. We're taking the dimensions. We're taking the information because that is so unusual and I love it. And it's about responding to things you love. And so, you know, when you're doing your own house, you should be looking and seeing, you know, what creates a reaction and what you, you know, what you keep thinking about. You keep thinking about that table, you know, and you want to go back to that table uh, and, you know, what you're responding to. So, you know, it's yes, okay, maybe we need a 24 inch diameter table, but we're not necessarily out there going looking at every 24 inch diameter table. We're looking at everything in the shop and we're going, oh, wow, 
look at that mirror and the, that pair of lamps and, you know, and then we take it back and we, and, you know, it's like a puzzle. We go, okay, this would be really good here. And this works here, but, you know, just really focusing on the things that you love and that are unique and interesting pieces. Do you think that's something, I always think about this, like something that we just not the four of us, but like society doesn't do as well anymore because of Instagram or, you know, there's just so much like you see something that someone else has and there's a lot more like, oh, this is like that coffee table that everyone has or this lamp that everyone has. And there's more homogenous like in design. I don't know. (laughs) Do y'all know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like people are often like, not focused on finding something that they themselves love, but they see something and they're like, oh, everyone has this. It must be good. Yes. Well, I think people get intimidated, you know, because I think people say, well, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Um, And really, you know, if you're doing your own home, go out and just look and just take pictures of things you like. Yeah, look at things on Instagram, but really go, do I really like that? Or do I like that because my friend liked it or my friend has it? Um, you know, because sometimes we're so programmed to respond to the things we see all the time. We go, okay, well, that's acceptable. That's, you know, that's in the norm. That's what I'm going to do. You know, my friend has that sofa. I'm going to do that sofa. Um, but the more you look at things and the more you train your eye and the more you study, uh, the more you're going to start to say, what's my style? Um, you know, which is what I had to do as well. You know, I just said, okay, I'm just going to keep looking and looking and see what I really respond to. And over time, you create that kind of mental portfolio for yourself. And then things just, you know, and also, you know, you should look at the good things you can't even afford, because you may be in a thrift shop, you know, a month later and say, oh, my gosh, that's so similar to that, you know, that thing, you know, don't go into a shop just because you're maybe intimidated and think you can't afford it. Like, go look at it. See how you respond to it. See what you like about it. Do you like the scale? Do you like the finish? Do you like the shape? Because it just trains you and trains your eye and your brain for when you're in that thrift shop or, you know, there's a yard sale and you, you find it. Yeah, you got to be ready to pounce. So true. I feel like we could ask you questions for another hour, but we won't because we know you're very busy. <laughs> this is fun. So. <laughs> Okay, well, we do have a question from Kate that we would like to get to. So I'm going to read it. And you've seen the pictures. She's got some things she wants you to help her with. So I'm not going to give it away. I'll read the question first. Okay. Hello, ladies. I love your show. We bought a historic home built in 1900 on the North Shore of Massachusetts during the pandemic. We've been busy updating electrical, heating, etc. But I'm excited to start thinking about cosmetic updates. I'm writing because I need help with a plan for the window treatments. I want to add drapery, but I also want to show off the unique trim. The windows and doors have beautiful trim with rounded corners. I feel like inside mount shades would cover up the trim the least, but drapery would be more special. I've attached some of the listing pictures and a few of my own. First, there's the piano room, which we're using as a dining room. There's a dining room, which they're using as a living room, and they want to keep the wallpaper. Uh, the door frames, you can see the... Uh, pretty trim detail and then there's like an entry window seat so yes she's got um the piano room sort of has like a beige wall and yes the i mean how would we describe the trim around the windows i mean really it's the the corners are rounded like yes it's a 
very kind of sleek but rounded edge and then um the living room which they're using as a dining room has this really unusual i guess sort of floral is it kind of like a jacobian floral with like a sort of dusty blue background and then sort of like green and sort of mauvey <laughs> maroon um flowers and so it's it's kind of an unusual color palette but a a very common pattern and then there's also this sort of window seat room with like kind of a more small scale looks like blue and white floral pattern so she's got some wallpapers that came with the house and she wants to work them into the design what do you think so i'm kate beautiful house congratulations uh you know very much you know some great details some older details and i don't blame her for wanting to you know show off these the trim around the windows you know i think the thing to remember is that every room doesn't have to be the same you know if you think you want to do inside mount shades in one room you know, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do curtains in another. And I actually think curtains um, would be really lovely in some of these rooms. And I think in order to play up and see the molding, I would do a very, you know, I'd do a kind of a thin metal rod with a self-return that kind of sat outside the trim a little bit. And a curtain that's not too heavy uh, because you don't want a lot of fabric stacking over that trim, but a little lightweight. So you get a peak of the detail of the molding. I mean, you'll see the molding around the trim of the doors as you walk in, but you get a peek of it. You get a hint. It's a little like, I'm here. I'm not showing off, but I'm really pretty under here. Look at me. And I would hang the curtains a little bit higher, you know, not all the way to the ceiling, but kind of halfway there because it'll help play with the ceiling height of the room and extend your eye up. And it'll, and it'll help open up the curtains to see that molding a little bit more. Um, you know, in where there's that little window seat, I would do wood blinds or something. You know, it's not an appropriate place for curtains because it doesn't go to the floor. And I love wood blinds because I think that there's such a great way to control the light. Um, you know, you can have a little bit of light. You can have full privacy at night. Um, and then there you would see the complete uh, moldings around the windows. So you don't have to show them off in every room. You know, and it sounds like Kate would like to have some window treatments, some curtains in some of her rooms. And I think her living room or, or and or dining room uh, would be really great places to do this. But, you know, keep them a little more simple and not too heavy. Don't compete with the other things in the room because then it'll really add to it. Okay, so smart. I feel like, duh, but also amazing to have you articulate it like you don't have to treat it the same way everywhere mm -hmm. you know in yeah. some room maybe you want it to show off but in others like it can be kind of you know a background layer that's there if you're paying attention but you know you don't have to emphasize it in every place yes um <clears throat> maybe not in this home specifically but what about um like if you do have a trim that you're wanting to emphasize painting it a color. Is that something you'll ever do or when is that appropriate? Definitely. Um, you know, I think it's really pretty to paint the trim a color. Uh, you know, if you have a wallpaper, you know, to pick up a color that's in the wallpaper and paint the trim, you know, kind of an accent color from that wallpaper. Uh, 
I also then really love to paint the ceiling a color. Now, I'm not talking a super dark ceiling, but just like a hint of a gray or a, so it's not like a super white ceiling against a painted colored trim. And so there's a little bit more of a blend or, you know, I love, I've done some pink ceilings in bedrooms. I've done lavender ceilings, love a blue ceiling. We're back to blue, but yeah, love a blue ceiling. <laughs> um, so I also think that's like a place you shouldn't, don't forget to look up. You know, don't don't forget about your ceiling um, because, you know, if, especially if you're going to paint your trim a color, um, make sure that that's got something interesting going on as well. Cool. I just feel like I have seen that before and it it can look really pretty. Like if your wall is a cream, but then you do the trim like, you know, almost like a light gray or a light oh, yeah. green or blue or something. It's like, oh, wow, that's really special. And it's a way to. Yeah, it can make Play the it trim up in pop. an unexpected. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't know that it makes sense here, but I just think that always is. No, nice. I mean, I think she I, definitely could. What do you think about this wall? This blue, um, like floral wallpaper that she's got. Um, I think it's very pretty, and I think it gives her a lot of opportunities because there's a lot of color in different colors in there. You know, there's kind of this like mossy green in there that she could pull out. Um, there's that kind of red burgundy color there's gray there's cream i mean there's so many things she could do what i love is it does look good with the way the trim is painted cream or if she decided mm -hmm. you know she wanted to paint the trim you know that kind of mossy green or the burgundy color would also be really pretty so i that's the one thing i love about wallpapers it's like a colorful rug like you have so many opportunities um yeah, and i love color so I also love this really sweet blue and white. I mean, it's, I think it looks blue and white. It's kind of hard to tell because it's a little dark, but um, floral by the window seat. Mm -hmm. Like these are some, you know, I feel like very few people buy a house with existing wallpaper that is really a wallpaper that you want to work with. And so Kate is very lucky to have some good choices that are existing. Definitely. And I would put a really great uh, cushion on that window seat and sit in that window, you know, a stripe or a check or some kind of woven pattern. I think it would be great. Spy on the neighbors. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, Kate, thank you for your question and best of luck. Um, send us some after photos. We'd love to see and keep us posted as you update this gorgeous historic home in Massachusetts. All right, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your wisdom. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, and see your work? Uh, yes. So I am on Instagram as Elizabeth M underscore M underscore Lawrence. You can find us at bunnywilliamsinteriordesign.com. And uh, yeah, we're just, you know, doing fun things and excited about the new year so yeah well, wonderful this was such a pleasure so thank you thank you and that's our show you can find all of the show notes on our blog howtodecorate.com slash podcast to send in a decorating dilemma email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space and of course be sure to follow us on social media at ballard designs don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode and please leave us a review we'd love to hear your feedback until next time happy, happy decorating, decorating.